This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Normally when you have the ball, the motion, you, you have the ball, you silence the stadium. When you made the transition, Old Trafford became, I played one or twice here when like they were better and I said, wow, people, you know, the spectators support. But the best way to silence them is that, okay, give me the ball and play, 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 don't let them run. So it's an incredible talent team and uh, where they don't have balls so offered, like all the talent teams, and they did want to try to do, of course. Above all that is the effort, the spirit, after six seasons together, see the team still running, running without the ball, players with a quality like Bernardo, like Gabriel, like, like Kevin, today is back, and, and do without the ball and are done, this is our secret, and that's why we won today. They tried, but they could not do it. Why? We had the ball. Off the Ball kicks off now on BFM 89.9. Pep Guardiola speaking after his Man City side eased to victory in the Manchester derby on Saturday. It's me, Ross. This is Off the Ball on a Monday evening. Thanks for joining me and the guys. The guys being Cam Raslan. Hello, Cam. Hello there, Ross. Uh, Arvin Sidhu is also here. Hello, Arvin. Hello, everyone. If winning gets you the sack like Daniel Farker, no wonder Ole is still in the job because he just lost again. <laughs> um, yeah, that, that's, <laughs> it's going to be that kind of week. Craig Wilkie is also here. Hello, Craig. Evening, Ross. I don't really want to talk about football or fantasy football this week. <laughs> <laughs> One defeat in 25 and he throws his toys out the pram. I don't know. I don't know. Um, we heard we heard Pep at the start. Uh, we also heard Arvin allude to the fact that Ole keeps his job after a weekend where many managers bit the dust. And we'll tell you all about it as we go along. First up, though, the Manchester derby. Um, could it have been more one-sided, Cameras Line? It was a 2 nil thrashing. And uh, I mean, Russ, do you want to go away for a few minutes while we talk about this match? Uh, <laughs> uh, if you if you can if if your pride can take it, it was um, Man City was so in control. I've not really seen a, a team so in control. United offered precious little, uh, and they're just pursuing that that thread that they've been doing along the whole way, which is it's just a group of individuals being told to go out there and just sort of just run around a bit and try and be as good as possible against a system um I, I, and ole is still there uh it's crazy i mean i, I think uh, people are casting around for a, who could be a successor and i think you know zinedine zidane really somebody who can manage egos and squeeze out a performance uh, i can't think who else but um they're gonna stick with him so good luck how often can you keep crashing uh, a luxury car? I, I don't know. <laughs> um, okay, Arvin, it wasn't it wasn't the five nil of Liverpool in terms of scoreline, but in terms of performance, it was exactly the same chasm between the two sides. I think Peter Drury summed it up the best, isn't it? I mean, same city teams, but really different galaxies. I mean, that that's what it was. I mean, United were just diabolical. I thought they were totally, totally outclassed. They had a one shot on goal. They had more shots on their own goal than the Man City goal. These are stats which don't work for a club as stature as Manchester United. I mean, Ole now he's lost, what, 21% of all Man United home games in the history of the Premier League? I mean, that, 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 it has to, that has to come to a point where it stopped. We felt that when Nuno left or Nuno was told to go was when the Spurs fans were 
were being vocal about him and it was caught on camera. At the end of the game in Old Trafford, there were a chorus of boos. There were reports that fans were saying it was time for him to go. Will the Glazers make that move? That's that big question. It doesn't seem to be right away that he's in any threat at this moment in time during this international break. But I mean, they had four touches in the ball in the Man City box. Four touches. What do you expect to do with that? So I thought, I thought they were they were really bad. Eric Bailly came in. He cracked within seven minutes. Never the same again. Aaron Wan Bissaka was the worst performance I've seen in him in a Man United shirt. And the worrying thing for Man United is the one player that's regressed since Cristiano Ronaldo has arrived is Bruno Fernandes because he doesn't look the Bruno of old. So yeah. a lot of problems for me. A, a lot of shouting at teammates and and yes, David De Gea did make uh, a couple of saves <laughs> from his own players. Uh, if not for David De Gea, it would have been a, a much bigger scoreline. But Craig, Craig Wilkie, this is what we are seeing right now is a real time, real life experiment of what happens when you don't sack a guy that is supposed to be sacked. <laughs> would it be fair to say that? It would be absolutely fair to say that. The thing with Solskjaer, he should never have been appointed in the first place. And he wouldn't have been appointed were it not for the legendary status that he has at the club. He would and, have been the best ever interim. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, he, he came in to do a job then. And I, I wasn't convinced by some of the performances that gave him the job on a permanent basis. And yes, we've talked before about how there has been some progress. Some of the signings have been good. Fernandez, when he was in form, was a great signing. But you look at, I think Cam made the point, that you look at a system versus just a collection of individuals. And Manchester United were not just a collection of individuals, but they were a collection of individuals that looked bewildered, that looked a little bit lost, that didn't look very up for it, which would be the most concerning part of all. For a derby, when you're coming out at home after the performance against Liverpool the previous time out, and then there's some really strange individual ones. Jaden Sancho, I, I don't know what you've done to Jaden Sancho, but he is, he is not the player, player that he was. And there was this moment that was so telling in the second half. So Sancho has the ball on the 18-yard line, just outside the box, and he's one-on-one with a fullback. That's exactly where you want Jaden Sancho to be. That's what he was bought for. And the crowd should have been on, on, on their feet, something about to happen, but his only instinct was to turn back and lay the ball off, in this case, to Juan Bissaka. Right? So yeah. you've gone from Sancho, one-on-one against the fullback, 18 yards out, to you've now got Juan Bissaka on the ball, 25, 35 yards out. And of course, what happens? He either tries to loft it into the box, it doesn't get past the first defender, or he plays it back to Maguire and, and you maybe go again. But it's, there's just something missing in terms of some of the individual players and definitely in terms of the system. And for all of that, every single part of it, Solskjaer has to take responsibility. Now, I think he does on an individual basis, but it's not good enough. That is the bottom line. It is simply not good enough in any way, shape or form. By the looks of it, it really does look like the players have, have down tools. I mean, if you play if you play PlayStation football, any of the FIFA games, your your team, you see how your team reacts. It's just it's just normal when you will run back into position, you will cover people who are not there, but none of this happened. And anyway, Solskjaer, as we know, as we as we as we speak now on, on Monday evening's show, um, will be expected to be in the job after the international break when United take on Watford. Uh, not the case for Daniel Farker. 
and Norwich. He finally masterminds a win after, what is it, 29 matches in the Premier League. And uh, he gets he gets his P45 cameras done. Uh, that's yeah. the way you should do it, eh? <laughs> if you say so. I mean, you know, Norwich have been uh, abysmal. They, they, they finally won. But it, the, the international break at this time of year is the time when all those... Uh, struggling managers must be really crossing their fingers like can i survive this weekend and then you win and you think surely i've made it but uh, no but they 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 are they are lightweight um you even when they won you can sense how lightweight they are uh individual great goal whenever pookie though takes a shot you know it's not going to go in and it's uh I don't know. I don't know if they can be marshaled into an effective force. And I thought that uh, Norwich would, the Norwich owners would have been, you know, pretty much content with yo-yoing up and down, taking the parachute payments, and not overextending themselves. So I was surprised by the decision to sack the manager, who's done great service for them in the past. Um, but I, they're, they're not going to get saved. They're, they're, they are absolutely. They're going well, down. There is time. I mean, that that is still there's still a lot of time available. Uh, no word as to who Norwich have lined up as Farker's replacement. But for Brentford, uh, there were you can detect some boos at full time. Arvin, it's now what a fourth loss on the bounce for the bees, and um, they what first first time in five years, I believe. First time under this manager, Thomas Frank, as well. Yeah, winless in five at home as well. Uh, they're really missing two very key players at the back. David Raya as a goalkeeper has such influence over the back four. Yeah. Uh, Christopher Ayer, which is a big signing from Celtic, also has been injured. So they, they've missed a couple of important players at the back, which has clearly affected them. But the one thing about Thomas Frank, and I followed his career from the championship during the days when he used to take the battles with Leeds as well, is that there are a lot of times that he comes across as... Uh, we've waxed lyrical about him at the start of the season. Great images, the Arsenal game, going to the kids and all that. That's all good. But there are times where he comes out where he doesn't do his team any service. He came on and said, we should have won against Chelsea. We should have won against Leicester. We should have won today. I'm sorry, Thomas Frank. You, you didn't win any of those three games. When you come across in that manner of being a little bit on the arrogant side, a little bit bitter, mm. usually more often than not, it comes back to hurt you. Uh, I thought Sergio Canas was ineffective again. He scored the first Premier League goal of the season, but he hasn't been at, at, at it since then for quite a while now. Uh, Ivan Toni as well failed to impose himself on the game at all. They had a disallowed goal for, for, for Brian Mbomo, uh, rightfully disallowed. Yeah. But other than that, um, that, that, that early season um, early season hope for, for, for Brentford as being the one that will get into the top 10, where typically sometimes you get a promoted team that's done it, like Wolves have done it and Leeds have done it slowly fading away and they could be found out if they don't get themselves out of this soon enough yeah the the major difference between the championship and the premier league welcome to the premier league brentford um all right uh, thomas frank's got his problems but uh, not as big as dean smith rewind to the friday night game where southampton beat aston villa 1-0 adam armstrong's early goal uh, was enough to give the Saints, who are on the rise, it has to be said, uh, a, a win. And on Sunday evening, we we got the news here in Malaysia that Dean Smith sacked another manager, biting the dust, Craig Wilkie. This one was on the wall. There, there were murmurings on, on Villa fan sites and, and all that. And I guess the straw that broke the camel's back. Huh. Yeah, it... 
it was another very poor performance. That's yeah. that's the thing. And there've been far too many of those from Villa and from a Villa side and a Villa squad that must have started the season with a fair bit of optimism despite the the loss of Grealish. You know, we all felt as though that the money had been reinvested pretty well. I don't think you could blame the board. They backed the manager in terms of how he wanted to do that recruitment. But Villa have just been all over the place and you know this is a results business and we know that pressures come on managers very quickly. We've seen that for many years now. We've seen it this season and five losses in a row is one thing, but it's not just the losses. It's the nature of the losses. And Villa haven't looked very competitive in any of those games. And I think the other problem is that they've got issues all over the pitch. Mm. Defensively, they've been a shambles now for, for quite a long time. They just look like conceding. And although it was only 1-0, Saints were quite dominant. They could have easily scored another couple of goals in that game. And the midfield is not really functioning. There's not enough creativity in there. Wendy has come in and shown little flashes here and there, but not had the sort of influence that you would expect of him. Danny Ings, unfortunately, you know, that injury-ravaged career that he's had <laughs> seems to be continuing. So, And he's the sort of striker that needs to play five, six games in a row to have that sharpness to, you know just to get his fitness up to up to that level that's that's going to work in the Premier League. And, and they haven't had that. And so once players like that are are either out of the side or or not playing it at their full potential, then you're going to struggle. And I think the problem was for the fans, it didn't look as though Dean Smith had the answers. Yeah. You know, and I think that that was what that was what the commentator said again at, at the end of the game. You know, it's, it's another performance which leaves more questions than answers. And ultimately, we, we know that boards, they don't have so much patience and they're going to look for the answer elsewhere now. Yeah, unless you are you are Joel Glazer living in Florida, then you've got a lot of patience. You've got a lot. <laughs> um, Dean Smith leaves Aston Villa after three years in charge. It's the club's fifth successive defeat in the Premier League. Villa are 17th, two points above the relegation zone. I understand uh, they are looking at the Denmark head coach, Kasper Hulmand who happens to be a fellow countryman of the Villa sporting director, Johan Lang. So, Human, uh, they've also mentioned Steven Gerrard, Rangers manager, and Belgian boss, Roberto Martinez. Uh, do, do those names all jump out at you, Cam? Do you think they'd be good Villa managers? Um, I think the Danish choice, D- Danes, f- footballing Danes are really fashionable right now. <laughs> uh, Steve, <laughs> Steven Gerrard, I think... Um, would he be sensible to leave Rangers? You know, Aston Villa on paper is still one of the most successful English clubs in the history of the game. Uh, but we're talking about titles from 1890. Um, but uh, he's not the kind of guy to walk away from a commitment either. And uh, I, would it be a good choice? You know, Villa has great potential, but um, it's a big rebuild. You, and, you, uh, yeah, you also wonder if, if there's only really one club for Steven Gerrard to come back to in the Premier League. And he might yeah. actually see it that way as well. So yeah, if he's to go yeah. somewhere else to cut his his teeth, he, it may not be the Premier League, I reckon. Stevie G's that kind of manager. But um, yeah, testing time. Well, th- again, th- there's enough time for the new managers to come in. Villa are, are a good side, aren't they, Arvin? They've got good players. We, we said that before the, the season started. They've invested well from the Jack Grealish money. Uh, it's just that they need to play to a system. A bit uh, Again, it could be like we're talking about Man United or... <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting. The, the, poor, the poor run for, for Villa has kind of coincided, if you notice, when John Terry has left the club. When John yeah. Terry has left the club, there seems to be a sense of the defensive solidarity that's, that's no longer there. Um, the expectations have gone up higher because there's been increased spending. But when you look at it in this way, it's because they got a lot of money for Jack Grealish. Uh, the challenge that Dean Smith has had is I personally felt that he should have been given a little bit more time. But the challenge that they, they've had is that he's not been able to integrate the players that he's needed. Uh, Leon Bailey, for me, was one of the worst tracking back I've ever seen uh, over the weekend. He just It's, it's not in his, in his repertoire, is it? <laughs> exactly. Matty Cash looked, he was absolutely torched down the, on the right-hand side. It didn't look like he could do it. Axel Twanzebe has been, has been regressing as well. So, uh, Dean Smith did come up once with a famous quote, though, as we were talking about it. He said, players win new games. Systems don't win new games. Well, that's kind of come back and kind of haunted Dean Smith in a way because he's not made the system work. Again, um, I don't want to hop back to United, but Ole actually said that. He said, I can put any oh, system out, but it's the players in it that do that. You know. Similarities. But, but, but the manager for I mean, we talked about a lot of names. There's one name that's been linked with a lot of English clubs and he hasn't gone to it yet. He was supposed to look at the Spurs job, supposed to look at Newcastle, but I eventually think Paulo Fonseca will come to England for one of these jobs. And he could be someone that could bring a lot of interesting ideas of football. So that's something to look out for. All right. We're off for our first break. Uh, stick around. More of Game Week 11 right after this. Here is the battle, which above and beyond all others is not for losing. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. The sought-after league in the world is ready for action. The division that brings you a little bit of everything returns and anything and indeed everything is possible off the ball on bfm 89.9 and we are back back with cam arvin and craig this monday evening looking back at game week 11 as we ease into the november international break uh games on thursday to talk about tell you about them on friday but first premier league action uh on Saturday, it was Brighton 1, Newcastle 1. Newcastle fought back to claim a draw in front of watching new boss Eddie Howe, who was in the stands with Amanda Staveley. Um, it, was, it was some fight, Craig, from, from the Newcastle side. I mean, that's all I could, that's the, you know, Actually, there's more, there was more fight in that game for a long time than I'm seeing from a Newcastle side. Yeah, some. <laughs> there was... There was there... There was some fight. I'm not sure how much quality there was. And the, the first half in particular, I'm sure Howe would have been watching it a little bit through his fingers, perhaps, on occasion. Because Brighton were quite dominant in that first half, but had that old Brighton problem of, of not being clinical enough and not being able to put a game away. And so you do have to give Newcastle a bit of credit for, I think, just staying in the game and playing themselves back into it a little bit in the second half. And playing quite simple football and, and maybe that's just what they need to do for a little while now you know you look at the goal and it was a it's a good cross to the back post it's just nodded down and it's a good finish actually from from Hayden but it's this is sort of thing that they're going to have to do in order to to get themselves out of trouble and let's make no mistake about it Newcastle are in trouble you know all the euphoria around the the takeover and the the money that that's there and will come in you know you first of all you've got to get that group of players into a position to retain their status in the Premier League. And Eddie Howe watching that will know that that's not going to be the easiest job in the world <laughs> at all. And now, fair enough, there's still some players missing. You know, I think there's some players, Almiron, for example, continues to baffle me ever since he arrived at the club, you know, with a big price tag and a reputation and has done so little to justify it. But 
they just have to I suppose a game like this, you go away to Brighton in the form that Brighton have been in, you're going to be quite happy to come away with a point in Newcastle circumstances. And that's what they're going to have to do. It might not always be pretty, but for the next three to six months, they just have to dig out some results. And that's what they did. So that's that's what how we'll take some some positives from. And then I'm sure he'll be looking forward to getting down and working with them on the training ground. And and let's see, January will be interesting too, of how much of that money is going to come up front and <laughs> how much will yeah. actually be available to spend. But again, you know, if, if Newcastle is sitting in the relegation zone at that point, will players will players really go at that stage or will they wait and see till till the summer to make sure that Newcastle are actually still in the Premier League? So that could be an issue for them too. Interestingly, one of the names that popped up over the weekend uh, that Newcastle want to sign is Eden Hazard. I'm not sure he's the kind of player who's going to get you out of a relegation dogfight. Two, we- uh, sorry, two draws and two losses in the four matches since the Saudi takeover at Newcastle. For Brighton, they, well, going into the weekend, they've been on good form, but it's now winless in six. They, they keep drawing games, cameras. And there was even a a little, a little murmur, if you like, from from the the, the fans at the MX Stadium. I, I guess expectations have been raised. Uh, they, they're better than. I mean, they just didn't take their chances again. They made so many chances, Brighton. But that was the story of last season. That that is that is Brighton. Perhaps they're returning to the the true Brighton, um, and that the the fans have been spoiled thus far. There's no particular reason why they should have improved. Um, and it's uh, it's shocking that they didn't win this match against uh, Newcastle. I mean, Newcastle had a, a fantastic opportunity at the very end. Callum Wilson brought down, and it just seems not enough that a goalkeeper should be given the red card. There should be more of more of a punishment for that. It was a goal. <laughs> it was a clear goal. Clear goal, and it must be weird at Newcastle. They are now suddenly the richest club in the world, and they're probably going to get relegated. What is recruitment policy? Um, I, I so wanted to see Lewis Dunk make saves. I so wanted to see him flying across the goal. You know what I mean? Making a flying save. But uh, alas, there wasn't time. Yeah, I mean, in the end, I guess a draw, fair result. But but both teams now with, with work to do at different ends of the table. Um, Chelsea actually, I guess, got away with a draw at the weekend. Uh, 1-1 against Burnley. Uh, I mean, they, they had 25 shots on goal, Arvin. <laughs> I mean, I, I know that their two strikers, Werner and, and Lukaku, are, are missing. Kai Havertz actually got on the score sheet. Uh, they, they pummeled. Um, uh, Rhys James, again, England is so rich with right-backs at the moment. They're all shining. Rhys James, again, doing, uh, doing really well for Chelsea. Um, but points dropped, but then you expect that throughout a 38-game season, don't you? Yeah, you do. Uh, but, I mean, they were looking for their fifth win in a row. You're right, the race James Cross was almost David Beckham-esque. I mean, the way that Beauty. he lifted in, it was so, so clean. And that, that and it's one of those things that just, that the, the, all, all that the striker needs to do is just jump. It's going to hit you on the head. The, 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 the weight of the ball is perfect. It's going to go in, right? But yeah, I, I chose to watch this game compared to the other two that was happening at our time on, on Saturday night. I just thought the first 25, 30 minutes, Chelsea literally just led a nuclear assault on Burnley. I don't know how Burnley <laughs> survived that. I really don't. I really don't. Nick Pope, Nick Pope was there. Yeah. He saved a lot of what, what potentially could have been a complete meltdown. But it always comes down to that second goal, right? As long as you 
if you get that first call, great. But if you don't get that second, as the time progresses, the other team believes that they have an opportunity. And Thomas Tuchel did come on and said, we let them to possibly believe they could steal a point by pure luck. And in a way, that's what happened because it was pure luck. Uh, but again, there were good performances for Chelsea throughout. Besides Reese James, I thought Ross Barkley looked threatening every time he kind of bombed forward from, from Central as well. So overall, this happens. Uh, would have Tuchel wanted it to happen against a team in the bottom three? No, but he has done tremendously well anyway. So they'll just probably look at it and say, let's move on to the next one. Uh, Burnley build on their first win of the season the previous week against Brentford. Uh, actually, they could have won it. Mataj Vidra uh, at the end. And you just thought, whoa, Craig, you know, I mean, that would have been unlucky. But Burnley and, and Sean Dyche, uh, well, they know what the Premier League is all about. If there's a manager you can probably trust, it is Sean Dyche. Yeah, he's proven over so many seasons. And I think earlier on this season, we had some questions about Burnley and what had gone wrong and they didn't look like the Burnley of old, but in the last month or, month or so, I've started to see a lot more of that character come back in that side and just some of the discipline, the, the tenacity. And it's absolutely true that Chelsea battered them, particularly in the first half, but it takes a certain amount of character not to fold under that sort of pressure. And, and they didn't, you know, they, they still tried to keep their shape. They still kept pressing and they're playing against much better quality players. Let's be honest about that at the end of the day. And this is where football can be such a strange game sometimes. You know, as Arvid says, if, if the team doesn't get that second goal, there's always an opportunity. And, and credit to them for at least still trying to throw some things into the box. They got a bit of luck, a bit of a break. And it's actually a decent finish by Vidra in the end. You know, he doesn't panic and he just lifts the ball over Mendy in the goal. And, and from there, then you're thinking, OK, because there was still a bit of time left after that for Chelsea to come again. And that, so that was the real test. But from there on, actually, Burnley kept things very solid, didn't really give Chelsea that much momentum from that point. You know, they didn't, Chelsea didn't create too much after Burnley got the equaliser. So Sean Dyche will go back, absolutely delighted to have got a point at Stamford Bridge. And as you say, just a, a wily manager who's got his team back, looking a bit more like themselves. And, and they, will, they will cause teams trouble when they, when they play them against, you know, those who are closest to them in the table. So fair play to Burnley. It's a strange old game sometimes. Thomas Tuchel was a little miffed at the end of it. He said 99 times out of 100, we would beat them. But you didn't. This one time out of 100, you didn't. But then uh, this Chelsea side, I mean, despite the draw, Cam, they, they, they come out of it, what, three points clear of City at the top. Uh, it's good day, good weekend. I guess. I mean, they are missing um, the, the focal point of their attack. Uh, that, that and he does. would have you bullied felt... teams like Burnley, wouldn't yeah. he? Yeah, yeah, you really felt it up there, actually. And uh, uh, they would be disappointed by that. And, uh, you know, you say, oh, you know, teams can lose or draw or whatever. You know, we've been spoiled the last few seasons. You could not points more than 100 points to, to get through. But I, I actually think uh, Burnley last weekend against Brentford was spectacular. They were really good. And then, to, so to get three points against your kind of nearest rivals, to get a point against the top team, Burnley are on track to perhaps pu pull it off to, to get out of this uh, this problem uh, with relegation. So yeah, I mean, but I I, I thought that Chelsea were a bit um, bit toothless, a bit bit uh, really missing the likes of Lukaku up front. 
Yeah, and Werner as well. Don't forget Timo Werner. All right, um, another break then. More of Game Week 11 right after this. Completely unmarked. How you can leave someone of his quality unmarked in the penalty box, but he's so clinical, firing it into the top corner. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. Yeah, and it's just, you know, become all too easy now. Um, That pass, that's the difference between the sides today. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. And we are back. Cam Raslan, Craig Wilkie, Arvin Sidhu joining me this Monday evening to look back on Game Week 11. Follow us on social media. It's BFM Football on Instagram and on Facebook. How did you do on your fantasy football this week? Rhetorical question, if you are Craig Wilkie and myself. <laughs> this, this season's BFM Fantasy League is brought to you by my-soccer.com. Expect a great grand prize. Not for Craig Wilkie or myself at the end of the season. Right, let's talk about the the big game on Sunday that raised many eyebrows. Uh, West Ham United 3, Liverpool 2. David Moises, West Ham, move up into the top three. How good were they, Cam Raslan? Uh, I mean, obviously, being a long-time West Ham United fan, you you... You know, you appreciate it. Uh, even even the London Stadium starting to create. I mean, it was atmospheric. It was all the ingredients were there. Yeah. As a lifelong uh, West Ham fan since this weekend, uh, <laughs> they, they, they were really good. And although the second goal was almost uh, Liverpool-esque uh, on the break, it was the set pieces that... Uh, that they they excel at, and it must have a roll-on effect at at frightening the opposition defenders. Um, I don't, I mustn't tackle him. I mustn't tackle him. Oh, I got it. It it could must really uh, frighten them because West Ham have the opportunity here to, if they can, if they can really succeed at this, hold third. Say, gosh, they could even go up um, for a few seasons, just two or three seasons. They could be one of the biggest clubs in the land. Uh, even in the world, because you mentioned the stadium. It's a big stadium. They they're actually uh, have, have applied for it to be increased as well, the capacity. Right. My goodness. I mean, the, 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 the gate receipts on that alone, plus the name recognition for West Ham is already there. It's, it's not... Uh, so, uh, you know, they could, they could do something really new and spectacular here. And uh, David Moyes, I've always said that he's one of the greatest managers of all time. I've always said that. <laughs> Moisea. They say that's what they call him down down East London way. Um, Trent Alexander Arnold showed showed England's riches at right back. What what a beautiful free kick! And and you thought at the time, okay, Liverpool draw level, business as usual. But Craig Wilkie, if, if you're gonna point fingers here, the goalkeeper Allison, I thought, well, look, culpable for all three goals, really. Yeah, I agree, and he's not one that we would usually point fingers at because he's been so consistent. He got on a score sheet again, though, this weekend, eh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he did. <laughs> uh, no, he looked um, he looked completely out of sorts. and But some of that credit goes to West Ham, as Cam was saying, because the delivery on those set pieces was as good as I've seen all season. And it's right, it, it puts players under pressure. But it's not just Alisson. There's, there's something not quite right in that defence right now at Liverpool. Van Dijk... He's okay on the ball again, the Van Dyke of old, but there's something in terms of the physicality. He's getting bullied out of it a little bit by the likes of Antonio or Lukaku that we weren't used to before. And if you look at Liverpool's stats, right, Liverpool have conceded 11 goals in 11 games in the Premier League. 
City, six, Chelsea, four. Mm. That's a big difference when it comes to that very top level. And I remember Gary Neville always used to say that Premier League titles are won on your defence first. Yeah. So that's, that's the very clear area of the game that, that Liverpool need to look at. And it goes beyond. You know, we talk about systems all the time. So defence is not just about the back four and the goalkeeper. It's about how the whole team is keeping its shape and being compact, those sorts of things. And even in the midfield, I mean, Fabinho was back in there, but he wasn't quite as commanding as we've been used to seeing him. I really feel as though Wijnaldum is, is proving to be a big miss in that Liverpool midfield. You know, just some of the energy that, that he brought. And again, you could say maybe Liverpool have been a bit unfortunate with injuries in that department, but that was a player that was always going to be a miss and he wasn't replaced directly. There was maybe a bit of hope that the youngsters would step up and, and do that role, but they're not quite ready yet to go against a West Ham in, in that sort of form. And it was interesting, you know, Moyes in the, the press conference afterwards, he said that at halftime, maybe West Ham had been a bit too cautious. They were too focused on trying to stop Liverpool playing. And even, even when you set yourself up like that, it's still so hard. Salah will still find pockets of space. Yeah. Manny will still run in. And he said, you know, we took a really deci- a decision at halftime that we were just going to go for it a bit more. We were going to press a bit higher. We we're going to impose ourselves. And credit to West Ham, because when you, when you show that kind of positive intent and they got rewarded for it, and when you've got good quality players, and that's what they have now, especially in attacking areas, West Ham have really good quality players. They will hurt you. And if Liverpool are not at their best defensively, which I don't think they have been over the course of this Premier League season, you will get performances like that and you'll get results like that. Yeah, um, they're up to third now. Um, Arvin, would it be fair to say West Ham are in the mix for the title? I mean, the, the table doesn't lie, right, Ross? But let's be honest. <laughs> yes, uh, you know I mean, after 11, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, the table doesn't lie. I mean, another sensational performance. I thought they were smart. They were organized. They defended well. They showed a lot of heart. That, that's the thing about, about West Ham. They've done it uh, for a while now under Moyes. And each time they broke forward, Liverpool looked vulnerable. And how many times can we say that about Liverpool, right? Um, and Liverpool as well, when you score two goals away from home, you expect to take something away. From, from from this and they, they didn't uh, I don't think they're in the title hunt per se but top four would be fantastic for them everyone would have thought they would have been sixth or seventh this coming end season but top four would be absolutely fantastic uh, but there are a lot of plays and the, the good thing about West Ham is that at the start of the season we talked about Saeed Ben Rama we talked about Mikel Antonio the ones that were putting in the goals and the assists but now you see Pablo Fornals coming yeah. in. Yeah. You, 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 you see Jared Bowen playing well. So it's a, it's a collective shared responsibility of players who are on form at different times that are helping them out. Kurt Zuma has come in and is obviously in, 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 in an enhancement of the defence as well. So for me... Declan Rice. Got, what about Declan yeah, De- Rice? Yeah, yeah. De- Declan Rice for me, 100 to 150 million. That's what that player is worth. And any of the big clubs that want him, they've always been talking about Chelsea wanting him. United could use him. That's the price that someone would need to pay to get him out of West Ham because he has grown leaps and bounds. So a lot of good things for West Ham. Not really title title contenders per se, but top four, realistic. Yeah. Uh, and it's a credit to, to Moyes. He, he literally has every single player working hard for the club. And as a fan, that must be pure joy because that's all you want to see at the end of the day. I'll tell you what, similar to West Ham, Arsenal. Mikel Arteta celebrated his 100th game in charge at the weekend, Cam Rasland. It was a narrow 1-0 win over Watford. They had to endure a Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang penalty miss as well. In fact, Foster was superb. I didn't think he was going to get beaten in that Watford goal for a while. Um, But um, 
yeah, Arsenal quietly going along very nicely. Yeah, it's. I, I looked at the position on the table and I was shocked because I, for one, was calling for Arteta's head like crazy at the beginning of the season. So therefore, I do demand a recount with the points. I'm sure they're not doing as well as the table suggests. Uh, but I, I, what can I say, Ross? I was actually I was putting matches on my eyelids to try to keep them open to watch this match. It was um, the, the 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 okay. The Arteta project is it. It's um, oh god, it's boring. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what to say about it. It's just I was bored to death. Watford, Claudio Ranieri. This is a weird one because we we all kind of. I mean, he's not been that different, Greg to what Cisco Munoz was bringing to the table before. Uh, they're still in trouble. They, in fact, had a red card as well. Kuchka uh, got sent off. Uh, they're 17th, two points above the relegation zone. Are we going to see another managerial change? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we're done with managerial changes yet. No, not by a long way. Yeah. That's for sure. I mean, one nil to the Arsenal used to be the refrain, didn't it? And it's, it's coming back to that a little bit. For, for which Arteta deserves some credit. But Watford, as you say, it's not very obvious just yet. I know it's early days, but it's not that obvious what Ranieri is trying to do right now. I mean, I think always when a manager comes in, the place to start is defensively. That's the easiest thing to try and get right first. And that's the platform from which you build. And of course, you had a very difficult opening fixture when he, when he arrived, but he has tried to tighten it up. But I feel like in doing that, he's he's lost something further forward apart from that slightly freakish game at Everton, you know, just some of the verve that they had from Saar, from Dennis, from King in earlier performances in the season, just don't quite seem to be there right now. And they were lucky not to concede more actually. I mean, Foster had a, had a really great game. So Mm. for all the, all the focus on playing more defensively, they were still conceding a lot of chances. And then the, you know, things like the Kuchka red card, it was such a rash and frankly unprofessional challenge. There's just no need to do it. And I've seen quite a lot of those challenges recently in the Premier League. I don't, I don't know what, what players think they're doing. I mean, even the penalty in, in that game. Yeah. You know, why would you start suddenly barge into to Lacazette like that when the ball's just dropping? He's, he's not in a particularly dangerous position. He's got to try and get it under control and, and do something with it. So when, when players make you know, decisions like that, managers can only shake their heads. I'm sure, and, and wonder, you know, what, what's going on. But yeah, the, the only thing for Watford is that there's a lot of sides down there right now who are, who are not in great form, <laughs> you know, who are struggling a little bit, who are conceding chances, conceding goals. So I think the, actually the relegation battle is really going to heat up over the, the kind of Christmas New Year period. And we could easily have five or six teams in the mix. They are all in, on a similar level of points and all clambering to try and, try and get further up the table. And Ranieri knows that there's still a lot of work to be done and maybe some reinforcements needed in January too. Yeah, uh, Ben White showed quick feet to set up Emil Smith-Rowe. If that was a setup, it was taken off his feet. Um, but Smith-Rowe is now, what, three in a row for the Arsenal youngster. He's one of the impressive uh, Arteta projects that's going on. Well done, Arsenal. Up to fourth. Uh, we go for our final break. We'll wrap up the weekend's football then right after this. Well, (laughs) from the shadows to centre stage, it's a stunning goal from a player who's hardly had a touch. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. Absolutely magnificent. 
Well, that is a thing of beauty from a man right on top of his game. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. And here we are, back with Cam Craig, Arvin, looking at Everton nil, Spurs nil, Antonio Conte's first Premier League game in charge of Tottenham. And you know what, Cam? I think maybe somewhere in the distance, Nuno Espirito Santo is chuckling a little bit because Spurs didn't have a single shot on target. So, so Nuno would have gone, ah, you see? Yeah, but but they kept they kept a clean sheet. I think that, that does actually mean something uh, for, for, for this team. And I would look back to the, uh, was it the UEFA FA Vars competition, whatever it's called, the conference thing. Uh <laughs> The, the first Conte Spurs um, uh, match they were very good in that. Spurs were very good in the the conference match against Vitesse. They um uh, they they were looking lively. The players Kane was looking very lively there, and uh, they they quite rightly went three goals up. Uh, they let in two goals. So I, I think that both both managers would actually be in a way happy to have the clean sheet to 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 have the one point against each other. And I think that um, uh, Benitez would be glad that. To have stopped, in a way, perhaps the rot that's been coming in uh, for the last few matches. The joy of having fans back in the stadium—you you could literally hear a silent stadium, or a stadium in collective groan when when VAR turned down Richarlison's penalty uh, that that the ref had given. Uh, but I mean, Everton—we've said before, we even said on on Friday—they miss the players they have out. They they you know, and they're big big players. But, but Conte at, at Spurs, Craig, what, what are your thoughts? Do, do you reckon it's a good fit? Uh, he's obviously got work to do. He's got to get that front line firing. Yeah, it's a, that's a big task. I, I'm not sure Conte is a great fit anywhere. I mean, we know how these, <laughs> these things go, right, Hale? Um, but he, before things blow up, he gets results. And he's done that all throughout his career. I think he's a very aggressive manager. You know, he's very aggressive in the way that he approaches games. He's very aggressive in the way he approaches players. You know, he'll demand a lot of them. Those Spurs players, whatever the regime has been like in training, they can expect to be, I will imagine, there'll be a lot of drills. Um, but coming in and watching that game, to me, these were two nervy sides who haven't been in great form. You know, need, both need a little bit of confidence and Spurs even more so. So he knows he's got to do that. He's got to build them back up a little bit. And you can only get that from, from performances and results. And so he'll take that as a clean sheet and a point and, and move on. But yeah, the, we come back as always to the Kane conversation and still maybe slightly sharper, but nowhere, nowhere near his best. And it's not just Kane now. It's, I think it's translating over to Son's performances as well, because the best of Son was that partnership. You know, with the two of them playing together and, in such harmony and creating things for each other, running off each other, you know, one would sit up and one would drop back and they just seem to have that understanding and, and that's gone, but it's also about the, the players around them. You know, are they creating enough? And that's what Conti will have to try and figure out. What's the best system to, to maybe get fullbacks or wingbacks a little bit further forward to support those players. Where's the creativity coming behind them? Um, and that's, you know, you look at the way the game has changed and I thought this true on both sides. Everton, so little from the fullbacks. And they've got good quality fullbacks, you know, in Coleman and Digne. If you compare them to, you know, your Chelsea's or your cities, so much of the game gets controlled from those fullback positions now. And that's areas where the likes of Spurs and the likes of Everton really have to try and do more. So Conte's got his work cut out, but 
he'll have a goal, that's for sure. Yeah, work for Conte to do at Tottenham. Uh, Leeds won, Leicester won, was uh, two super goals. Two really, really nice goals scored between seconds of each other. Arvin, you, you, I, I, could, I can just imagine your reaction when Rafinha scored that free kick. You, you must have thought, wow, best player on the pitch by a long way, super free kick. But then how disappointing was it from the kickoff to concede? Yeah, uh, big signs of improvement on Leeds. I thought I thought it was one of their best performances of the season. If they play like that for the remainder of the season, they will have no problems at all. Um, but yeah, Rafina was great. Uh, but it happened last week against Norwich as well, when Leeds had scored first against Norwich and Norwich went the other end and scored a goal from, from a set piece. These were two teams that on stats-wise concede the most from set pieces, both Leeds and Leicester. So you knew something was going to happen with that. Uh, but Leeds have got a couple of players that will make the jigsaw complete comeback when they come back. Uh, Patrick Bamford is sorely missed because they had so many chances last night. Bamford would have put him, you would have expected him to put one of them away. Luke Ayling is still missing at right back. But other than that, I thought the performance was really good. It showed the Leeds of old. They they were hungry. They, they, they kind of ran Leicester quite ragged at one point as well. And a really nice story is Adam Forshaw. Uh, every club has got a player who's been injured for years and you don't know if ever that player is going to come back. Adam Forshaw hasn't started for Leeds for four and a half years. For him to wow. come back and have the man of the match performance, he kind of provided quite a bit of steel in the middle of the park that Leeds have lacked for, for, since they came to the Premier League. So hopefully he continues to stay fit, but uh, big signs of improvement of the team, which I've been critical of for the last couple of months. You have, you have. Uh, still only one win in the, in the last five matches. For Leeds, uh, only one win at home this season as well, worryingly. But as Arvin said, uh, the performance, a lot of hope there. Leicester's defending this season has been very suspect. Uh, actually, this result ends a run of five straight league games where the Foxes have conceded at least twice. So <laughs> in a way, Cam, it's an improvement defence-wise. But, <laughs> but players like Soyuncu and all that, they've been below par this season. Yeah, I. Uh, what struck me with uh, both these teams, it was as if, uh, maybe I was reading too much into it, it players who were tired of their managers, uh, managers who just worn them out. Uh, Leeds, I felt, were lucky in that Leicester have been, were in this match unable to really be that fluid, um, aggressive, fast self that they've that we've become to know them as. It was a bit, um, I wouldn't say shambolic, but it wasn't very well connected. And uh, yeah, and I wonder if um, there's a bit of tiredness going on there. For Leeds, I think that they'll be safe because they're, they're going to be three teams worse than them. But uh, but uh, Brendan Rodgers, I saw on a list, is uh, up as uh, one of the bookies' favourites for taking over at Manchester United. So there you yeah, go, Ross. But, that's what, but that's there's what a caveat. There's pending Ronaldo's approval. Any manager, <laughs> any manager incoming is pending Ronaldo's approval. Um, Crystal Palace two Wolves nil was uh, we, we we've got to mention it because we said going into the weekend that that Palace were one of the most improved teams. Despite, I mean, they, they actually hadn't won in six or five going into the weekend, but this was as, as comprehensive as it gets against a very good Wolves side. It has to be said, going into the weekend, Wolves were seventh, and Palace. Goals from Wilfred Zaha, Connor Gallagher, Craig. Um, well, they look the real deal. They, they're more solid, uh, if, if possible, like they were under Hodgson. The thing is, they've got flair this season now, haven't they? Yeah, and what a big thing that is. If you're a Palace fan, 
go back to a year ago and some of the football that you were watching, and I don't mean any disrespect to Roy Hodgson for that, but it was not the most exciting. Lump it you know, up! I'm sure, I'm, sure, I'm sure Cam had his matchsticks out for a few of those games, you know, when in the, the Hodgson Palace era. But Vieira came in and had a shaky start, as we know, and maybe some question marks over his credentials and some of his previous roles. But the way he's got that team playing, and especially from an attacking point of view, every time they go forward, they look like they're going to create something. And Zaha must be loving it compared to being so isolated as he was last time. And just the kind of people, they would just lump the ball up to him and hope he might chase something and, and do something with it. Now, especially with Gallagher playing behind him, and what a talent he is. I just, what a talent. I, He's one of those players that makes you want to watch a game just because he's playing. And I, I wouldn't always take a great interest in a Palace game, but I, I will when I know that he's in the lineup because he's just got that. What I love about him is his directness. Every time he gets the ball, he's looking forward. He's looking to create something. And you know, his goal, he got a little bit of luck for it with the deflection, but it was all about how positive he was. As soon as he gets into that position, he wants to take a man on and get a shot away. And when you've got a player like that in, in the form like that, you're going to create things and and he must be a great player to play alongside as well because yeah. he's he's unselfish he brings other people into into the game he's got great vision and, and touch and i just wonder what level he'll he'll kind of find his level at you know i think he's definitely can go beyond palace i'm not sure whether he'll be a starter for chelsea but somewhere in between he could do a really great job for you know i don't know a villa someone like that i mean there's going to be interest in this player come come the summer i would imagine but Chelsea must must look at this and, and think uh, they've got to try and induct him back into the team. Surely, him, Mason Mount, Jorginho, or Kante in that midfield. Wow, right? Just um, yeah. Oh, all right, the, uh, Pat Palace uh, going great guns. They they really are. Wolves just a blip maybe. Um, so that in a nutshell, then it is your your weekend's football. Um, no, no other games we, we missed out on, did we? Uh, Arsenal, yeah. Brentford, we've no, done them it. all. We've done them all. <laughs> I tell you what, with time to spare as well. Uh, international break this week. Actually, uh, as far as international breaks go, this one probably means more than the others because this means the culmination of all the qualifying for the World Cup. We'll talk about that next week or this week, uh, uh, Friday and Monday for you. For now, I have to say thanks to Cam Razlan. Thanks, Ross, and good luck with Manchester United. I, I, you know, I'm sorry. What? I'm watching cricket. I don't know what you're talking about. Craig Wilkie, thank you very much. Well, the good news is I get a week off fantasy football, but the bad news is I have to watch Scotland. So, you know, pros and cons. <laughs> hey, come on. The Scots are in a good place at the moment. Arvin, have a great international break. Take care, everyone. Have a good one. Uh, good week, everybody. Speak to you Friday. Bye now. finish and boy they're welcome back they are very welcome back off the ball every monday at 8 p.m on bfm 89.9